Hey, what's going on, everyone? This is your host, Mark Bruce, with the Fitcher and Performance Podcast. Um, so today I'm going to talk about stress and how it could be affecting your progress and or what to do. So, you know, my question to you is, are you an athlete? Are you an adult that's training? And you just seem like you're going through the motions. You know, you're trying to work hard. You're trying to train hard. Um, and throughout the process, you know, you just think that you're pushing the limits every session, but you're coming back and feeling worse and worse and worse. You're noticing your sleep is getting disrupted. You're noticing you're having more aches and pains. Well, I want you to keep listening because we're going to dive into that. What's going on, everyone? This is Mark Bruce, your host on the Fit Strength Performance Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today's topic, we're going to talk about how to lay out your micro cycle from a program design perspective. Um, you know, I, this will definitely be helpful for strength and conditioning coaches, um, but I, I, I definitely want to point out um, that this can help lay out for athletes, you know, skills coaches who are taking their athletes into the weight, the weight room, parents who like to work out with their kids. Um, this is how I tend to lay out my program design and it's derived from the tier system. It's derived from, you know, what I've seen with some other strength coaches over, you know, my, my tenure of coaching, you know, so like Eric Cressy, Mike Boyle, Mike Robertson, um, you know, Mike Robertson has been someone who's definitely laid out a great foundation to help coaches program appropriately with his R7 template. Um, so if you have never heard of Mike Robertson or you don't or you're not familiar with the R7 template, I would definitely look into that because it's a phenomenal way to lay out your program design. So a day a tip so when I program a week, um, typically you know my athletes their microcycle is, is typically going to be a week long and then their, their mesocycle could be anywhere from three, four or six weeks. So that's going to be like that phase. Um, you know, so for some new athletes, it's like acclimation, it's learning how to absorb and load, and then they transition into maybe something a little more specific to what they need to improving, you know, their rate of force contact time or rate of force development, their size, their strength, um, their reactive strength, little things like that will carry over into their second, third, and fourth phase. So this is why, you know, I always tell athletes and clients to trust the process because, you know, I've had a handful of clients that they step in and they, you know, they sign up for a month and they may not come back because um, they're so used to getting the big bang, feeling like they can't walk, feeling crushed, um, and that's what they're expecting. And I don't do that for your first couple weeks of training because you can overtrain and overstress yourself to get negative adaptations if you do one of two things. You're either doing too much too often or you're doing too much too soon. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's highlighting that you're training all the time, way too often, or your first couple sessions back into the gym, you're crushing yourself. So, you know, we always want to have a rebuild acclimation phase. So you have to trust the process and you're trying to go somewhere instead of just, you know, today's chest day because I need to get stronger. You know, the goal is to go somewhere athletically. So with that being said, 
with a training program, I write it down on paper. Um, you know, if I have time and I'm at my gym or I have access to a big whiteboard, I like to do things on whiteboard. I don't know. I, I just like it. Either way, I have, a, I have a sketchbook that I'll use and I'll try to program based on goals, what the, what the athlete is coming in with, what they've done in the past, what, what we can tackle early on from the low-hanging fruit perspective. And then it lets me see, like, Monday through Sunday what I'm programming so I don't program the same style of movements. Because, again, you know, a, a front foot elevated split squat, a rear foot elevated split squat, a goblet split squat, they're all going to do different things. Um, and some are going to be better earlier on. So I don't want to have my first day be a goblet split squat and then my third day be a um, front foot elevated split squat and then my, you know, my fifth day be a rear foot elevated split squat because there's more to movement than just, um, you know, that, that split squat, that, trans, that transverse sagittal, you know, sagittal movement, that frontal plane movement. Um, so you want to make sure that you can see that. So, you know, you're going to make mistakes. So that's why I like to write it down. Because I'll program Monday, Wednesday, Friday and see like, oh, well, I have, you know, three upper body movements and one pull movement. So that lets me go back, backtrack, see it visually and make appropriate um, corrections. So I'm going to walk you through my thought process. So I use the R7 model. I use the tier system. I use these models to help me lay out what my program is going to look like, not necessarily my exercise selection. So what I do is, you know, my programs start with a movement preparation phase. So that's going to be getting the body prepped for the training session. It's going to work on some, some mobility, some weak areas. People who are hypermobile might get some um, more isometric movements. People who are super tight might get a little more soft tissue work. Um, if you have ankle, foot, hip issues, then we may do some exercises at a higher volume to focus on that but it's designed to work on some weak areas get the body prepared for the session and make sure that you know one from a coaching perspective it lets me have a nice conversation for six to eight minutes without having to focus so much on coaching or athletes really um, exerting energy so it's a great time to check in if you're training on your own it's a good time to check in with yourself so you can just see how you're feeling Ooh, this feels kind of tight. This doesn't feel right. Maybe I need to add in something else so I'm ready to move instead of just going right to the squat, the bench press, the deadlift, or doing sprints. So from there, after the movement preparation phase, we go into an activation phase. This is going to activate, prep the body for the demands of that workout um, from a, a central nervous perspective, from a um, increased heart rate perspective, so this is going to help elevate the heart rate a little bit more, prepare the ankle complex, prepare um, you know, your energy systems for the demands. I don't really like going from dynamic stretches right into a you know, plyometric sprint. I like, to low, I like to prescribe lower level plyos like skipping, A skips, B skips, C skips, um, crossover steps, maybe some resistance band, um, lateral pull, you know, like in-out hops, you know, maybe even a little ladder, you know, ladder could be good for, you know, anywhere from three, four to six minutes of work just to get the, 
just to work on coordination, to work on stiffness, to work on stability. Um, so I, I like to program those kind of movements into the activation phase. Once we move on from the activation phase, and this is where, you know, this is your preference in the activation phase. You know, if you think like some maybe upper body, posterior shoulder, some dead bugs, some core work is appropriate because you like how it, you know, kind of teaches the hips where to go, get the hips in alignment. You know, you know, if we want to stress posture and position, so doing little things to help improve posture and position, but gets the body revved up and ready to perform, that's fine. That's going to be your, um, that's your model. Me in particular, you know, this is like an extended warm-up of skip a series, maybe wall count marches, low box, pogo hops, um, you know, low hurdle, single leg, um, hurdle hop and sticks, maybe some low-level skaters to really work on, you know, stiffness of the ankle and things like that. Once we get to there, we go into our performance phase. Now, the performance phase to me is the athletic movements, your power, your explosiveness. So on my day one sessions, that's going to be a linear vertical focus. Um, so that's going to be your sprinting, your broad jumps, your, you know, your box jumps, your... Um, so the first block is going to be... Um, you know, from a linear vertical perspective, it's going to be sprinting on, you know, so we may start with sprinting, sled marches, resistance band, heel butt kicks, resistance band, broad jumps, um, a medicine ball underhand throw, and then we'll transition into plyometrics. So, you know, it could be like a repeat broad jump. It could be a, a box jump. If I have an athlete that's coming like twice a week, we'll combine linear and vertical. If I have an athlete coming four times a week, we'll have a linear day and then a vertical day because I, you know, we can focus on different qualities. So with that being said, that linear, you know, the linear day, or if an athlete's coming once a week um, or twice a week, the linear vertical day will be linear for the first, first block of the performance phase where we work on sprint mechanics, marching, broad jumps, uh, medicine ball underhand throws, and then we may transition into a vertical power phase um, where it's going to be box jumps, hurdle jumps, um, you know, medicine ball, slam variations. Um, so that's the performance phase for that day one. And then we do our resistance training. So that resistance training for day one is typically, you know, your total body um, lift, which from the tier system could be a deadlift, an Olympic lift. Um, I go with deadlift variations because I can get more bang for my buck teaching earlier on. Then from there, we'll finish down the resistance phase to, you know, some resilience or conditioning training. A lot of times it isn't your typical conditioning training. It's going to be more of a metabolically demanding um, weak point training. So it could be posterior shoulder work. It could be hamstring work, glute work. It could be, you know, some additional sled work or some bike sprints. Um, for some of my athletes who are overly training each week, it could be a recovery session. Right. Or I mean, it could be a cool down. So working on, you know, bringing the heart rate down, working on some mobility, couch stretch, 90-90s, some breathing techniques, um, you know, things like that. So that's what we are going to do for the um, resistance phase for day one. My day two, um, I, I like my athletes to give a day off, but if they don't, that's why I like the total body sequence, because now I don't have to over prescribe 
you know, lower upper, if my athlete's legs are really sore the next day, I may be able to go a little bit more um, upper body movement. So with that second day, same move, same movement prep. We usually run through the same movement prep for four weeks. And then your activation phase is going to be something prime to that day. So day two is more of that lateral um, frontal plane day. So it could be, you know, maybe some, you know, in and out hops. It could be like some, for younger athletes, a single leg hurdle, lateral hop and stick. Little things like that. Um, it could be something that teaches, you know, the trunk how to, you know, how the hips to move, but your knee staying stable over the toe. Um, it's probably going to have some form of stiffness in the ankle complex, you know, like lateral A skips, low hurdle, lateral hops, continuously moving fast. Um, and then we go into your more power performance phase, which is going to be, you know, it could be a lateral sled drag, you know, with some form of a shuffle. It could be some skater hops, it, then transition into like a lateral hurdle hop to box jump or even a lateral depth drops to a box jump for my higher advanced athletes. And then we'll pair that with a medicine ball movement. So, you know, that block will be about two exercises. Um, you know, so for the lateral athletic phase of, of running laterally, crossover steps, we'll pair two exercises to complement each other. And then for our, you know, the power, it'll be, you know, a, a plyometric with a medicine ball variation that complements one another working on the fascial system. And then we go into the resistance phase, which is um, going to start with that lower body focused movement. So some squat variation, you know, safety bar squat, um, front rack, crossover grip, front squat, you know, box squat, split squat. Um, you know, for my higher level pro guys, it could be like a low box um, step up, something along those lines to really improve the lower body vertical production standpoint. Um, and then we trickle down, you know, you know, hitting upper, lower, you know, core movements and posterior chain movements. And then just like day one, we're finished with a metabolically demanding circuit, whether it is focusing on the posterior chain, the, um, you know, the glutes, you know, something along those lines. And like I said, for our advanced athletes or overprescribed athletes, it could be a cool down because that's going to help them. Uh, adapt and um, you know see the results that they want so that's your day two day three and again same thing I usually if I have an athlete going Monday Tuesday I want them to take Wednesday off and if they don't take Wednesday off and they come into the gym we will prescribe them more of a recovery lift and then we will go to our day three which is a multi-directional rotational day so that means that we are you know same movement prep our, our performance phase is going to be more focused to, our activation phase is going to be more focused to opening up the hips, changing direction, whether it's single leg, you know, rotational hops or, you know, hip turns with resistance band or medicine ball, um, little things like that. And then we'll transition into our performance phase, which is some rotational movement, rotational box jump, rotational box jump to a single leg landing. Um, um, it could be some skater hop variation that's a little more advanced. And then we go down into our resistance phase, which our third day is usually an upper body focus day, a vertical or horizontal pressing movement, and then same thing, a total body sequence after that, finishing with some um, 
you know, uh, conditioning, resilience training, or a cool down at the end. If I do have an athlete coming a fourth day, what we're doing is we're seeing the weak point. So either day three or day four, depending on the athlete, we may not do any advanced power explosive movements simply because, you know, they're probably playing their sports, they're getting it. So I'll, I'll, I'll save 20 minutes at the end to do an actual conditioning session. So that could either be your third day or your fourth day where we're really applying, you know, some form of conditioning um, where they're going to see an effect. So it could be a 30-minute lift, 10-minute movement prep, getting the ankle complex warmed up, getting the upper body prep for that lift, and then we spend the last 20 minutes doing some form of conditioning. Um, that could be day three or day four. Day four, um, like I said, same thing. If, if we did conditioning on day three, day four might be more of a you know change of direction combination with lateral and rotational because that's a lot of uh, athletes weak points so i hope that breaks it down as far as the the microcycle program design and again this program will probably repeat for three or four weeks with changes depending on what the athlete's feedback is so if you have any questions again email us at mark at fit strength.com um, you know like subscribe share if you believe this could help someone really get to the next level Thanks for tuning in. I look forward to talking to you next time.